0: Welcome to the Grove Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. And now to this week's message. We hope you enjoyed it. I used to play pickup basketball at the Southeast YMCA in Montgomery. And when I was in high school, there was this system. You would show up, and you would call next. You got the next game. And if there were three or four guys waiting, you might be the next group in. And then you had to figure out who your fifth was going to be or who whatever. So, so we had this way of, of, of running games. And one day we get there, and it was at the beginning, and I was uh, the captain. I was one of the captains. So I got to choose all five of my players. And standing there was this guy I knew from my high school who was felt like, Ripped, you know, and was this athletic-looking guy. I knew he played football, and so my first choice was this dude. You, my team, and I'm thinking, oh yeah. Well, the other guy who I was friends with and I'd played with him was a good basketball player. Looked at the oldest dude on the court, <laughs> the oldest dude on the court. And I knew him because at one point that old dude was my coach. His name was Mr. Romanowski, but he was actually a Ph.D., so he was Dr. Romanowski. He picked Mr. Romanowski, my ex-baseball coach. I'm laughing inside thinking, you're an idiot. You just picked the oldest guy in here, and he was one of the shortest guys. We're going to mop the floor with you. And then we started playing. And Dr. Romanowski killed us. I mean, slaughtered us. It didn't matter if he went down low. He had this little move that he would do that no one could figure out. It didn't matter if he stayed out on the three point and just rained threes. The dude killed us. And he was not even out of breath when we were all done later i found out that the dude rides five miles one way four times a day to his work on his bike in the heat of montgomery the heat of montgomery is different than the heat here here we tend to have breezes there it's just like an armpit it's just stale and nasty and sweaty I didn't make that mistake again, did I? Anytime that Mr. Romanowski showed up to play basketball, I was calling him on my team as one of the first guys. The dude had an outside shot like you couldn't imagine, and he was incredible at handling the ball, and he he did it all, just made it look like it was nothing, like it was absolutely nothing. Looks can be deceiving, can't they? What I didn't mention is that the guy that I picked from my school who was very athletic looking and very strong and was, was playing football and, and I knew he was like really good at football, he was horrible. Like, I'm, he was dead weight. I'm like, why, just go stand under the basket and maybe get a rebound, dude. You're awful. I looked at the two And I said, you, you got it, and he doesn't, but the other captain knew. Looks can be deceiving, and sometimes in our culture, we rely way more on looks, and appearance, and clothing, and the shell, and the right degrees, or the right zip code, or the right kind of car, or the right kind of house. Or the right kind of degrees on the wall. And we make decisions based on that. But this is something that's been going on for centuries. It's nothing new. In fact, the, the passage we're looking at today, something similar was going on in Corinth. And so Paul, in his letter, his first letter to the Corinth Corinthians, so 1 Corinthians, in this letter he begins to address some of these, these wrongs that had creeped into the church. And part of it was this idea that looks could be deceiving. Now we've continued on this journey as we kind of study who the Holy Spirit is and and what the Holy Spirit does and how the Holy Spirit impacts us. Because it's one of the least talked about parts of God. and, And I think that we misunderstand who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. And so this whole sermon series has been based around the Holy Spirit. So we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians 12, and we're only looking at three verses today. Now, I'm going to read the verses, then I'm going to give you a little bit of background, then we're going to come to a conclusion and, uh, and, and hopefully some application. So now, consp- concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers, and brothers here, guys, literally is brothers in the original language, but you understand that it means brothers and sisters. Brothers was a word that, could, that, was, that meant a group of people connected. And they could be males or females. It's like, what's up, bro? You know how people say that? I mean, I say it all the time. But a bro was not just bros. They were also the, the women involved. So brothers here was all the Christians in Corinth that he was writing to. Now, concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And these three verses make absolutely no sense. At first blush, when you read these, you're like, what the heck? How does that even fit together? Concerning spiritual gifts, don't be uninformed or ignorant. Remember how you were when you were pagans, led away by mute idols. Uh, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So to understand these passages, these three verses, you need to kind of understand some background. First of all, in Corinth, it was a very Greek heavy Greek-influenced culture. So paganism was a strong part of the culture. And I talked about this last week in a way. It led to some weird kind of forms of worship. One of those worships was idol worship. And if you were part of a guild, let's say you, I don't know, bake bread, then you were a part of the bread baker's guild. And the bread baker's guild had a god and it was in the form of an idol. And so if you were a bread baker and belonged to the bread baker's guild, then you had a bread baker's guild idol. But that wasn't the only idol. That wasn't the only god that you might worship. There was a whole pantheon of gods that you might worship. There was all of this Hellenistic Greek influence into the Roman culture. So all of these Roman gods were part of the Greek God mythology, and it all came together and people were worshiping all sorts of these gods. And every God that you had that you worship was represented with an idol. So if you worshiped certain idols, you would have those idols in your house. Hey, this is my bread. It's kind of like a trophy. Hey, this is my bread baker guild idol. I worship it on days I bake bread. Over here is the water idol that I worship because when I have to go to the well to get water, I want to make sure that this God doesn't poison the water so I worship it. That's kind of how that went. Could you imagine living in that kind of fear over and over and over again? Oh gosh, I've uh, I've got to go buy new cloth. I don't want my cloth to be evil. So I've got to pray to the God of weavers or whatever it is. I don't know. All sorts of stuff. Weird. Pantheon of God's. So that was the culture. But there was an ultimate lord in the Roman culture. What was it? Who was the ultimate god in Roman culture? Well, Zeus was the the ultimate god in wherever it was. But who was the ultimate expression of God on earth? The emperor. Someone said it. I heard the emperor. It was the emperor. Was that you, Kenny? Oh. Oh, you told him. Okay. All right. So it was the emperor. It was Caesar. So Caesar Augustus was considered a lord. Not just like he lorded over people, but like literally a god in the flesh. So that was the culture they were in. The second thing you need to know about the particular group of Corinthians that he's writing to is that in pagan worship, they had these babblings or these utterances. They would just start making noise that made no sense. And that was part of their worship. And they would get so worked up and ecstatic about it that they would just babble and blurt it out and it meant nothing. It was just noise. And they thought that those people that did that were being spiritual. That they were spiritually Involved in something weird going on here. So I could stand up here in front of you and go. And that would be like. Oh wow that was impressive. I'm serious. That was the kind of thing that went on. So the Corinthian church. Had begun to. Had begun to put a lot of. Emphasis. On this idea. Of Utterances. Speaking in tongues, but not just speaking in other languages, just saying nonsense that no one understood. And they thought that by them doing that, they must be very spiritual people. So if you were one of these ecstatic people that would just all of a sudden blurt something out like that, oh, you must be, you must be, golly, they're spiritual. And so that's the culture in which he is writing this letter and he's addressing this issue within the Corinthian church. So you have to understand that to understand these three verses. Let's go back to verse one. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, the actual word here is not spiritual gifts, it can mean spiritual gifts or spiritual people. It's either masculine or it's neuter. And you're like, I have no clue what that means. That means it can be translated one of two ways. In the Greek, it can be translated one of two ways. A lot of times, when they choose this ending for a Greek word, it means that they want you to understand that it's not a thing or a person, but it's a spiritual situation. So a better translation might be, now concerning the things of the Spirit. The things of the Spirit. Now we're going to have a talk about the Spirit. And I'm going to tell you all of these things that you've been dealing with about the Spirit. I'm going to address them. Okay? That's the point here. Now, concerning spiritual things or the things of the Spirit, the Spirit being the Holy Spirit, I do not want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, what's interesting about this is he uses this word almost, um, I don't know, ironically. Because the people who were puffed up and making a lot of noise in the church thought that they were so important and that they had this special gnosis, this knowledge that was out there that God gave them through these weird chants and things like that. And so, they brought that in and they thought, "Oh, well I'm I'm much I'm much more intelligent. All of you are ignorant because you don't have this gift." So Paul turns it on them and says, "No, no, no. I don't want you to be ignorant, you who think you are something. You think you're something But I want to tell you the really truth. I want to get down to it. All right? Now, concerning the things of the Spirit, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant, which is kind of tongue in cheek, making fun of them. It's a backhand compliment. Verse 2 You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however, you were led. His point is this when you were a pagan, and you worship these idols, which are carved items, whether they're carved out of, I don't know, stone or wood or gold, metal, whatever it is, when you worship these idols, they are mute. They don't talk. They don't speak. They don't move. They're pieces of wood, pieces of stone, pieces of metal. But even when you worship them, what you were doing now was part of your worship. So when you were in paganism, you were doing the same kind of things. This is nothing new. You've taken what you learned from paganism and you're trying to apply it here to your Christian faith. Remember, you were led astray. And you were led... Verse 3, therefore, I want to correct that. I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. There's two parts here that address this notion. First off, if someone has the Holy Spirit in them, they are not going to say things that are contradictory to what the spirit says and does. He uses this example almost as hyperbole, Jesus is accursed. Now what's interesting is we think this was actually a curse in paganism during the first century. So he was addressing this because it was something going on in paganism. And what he's doing is he's saying, "Look, guys, you are acting just like you did back when you worshiped uh, this pagan worship and you have these weird utterances that screaming out it, it's the, so you're practicing the same thing that the people over here who are saying Jesus is accursed is practicing there's nothing different between you and the pagan world let that sink in for a second How many Christians run around worshiping our culture more than we really worship Christ? Our culture that in a lot of ways is anti what Jesus stands for, and yet we fully buy into it. And that's his point here. The things you did as pagans, you continue to do now. The pagans say Jesus is accursed, so what you're, paying, what you're really participating in is what you used to participate in over here. So th- there's really no change in you here from here. You're carrying it over. Do you not see what you're doing? You're attaching yourself to something that is evil and not Right? Now, guys, as I dealt with this this week, this is a warning, right? How many of us are participating in things that that the culture says is okay, but we really know, eh, I don't know if that's really what God wants me to do or be a part of? And that's what he's addressing. So that's the first half of it. But then he goes on to say, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except through the Holy Spirit. Now, in our ears, that sounds weird. Because literally anyone can say Jesus is Lord. But understand the stakes in the first century if you made that statement. There were people literally shoved on posts while they were still living, tarred and lit on fire for saying Jesus is Lord. The stakes were... We're pretty darn high. So when we read this, sometimes we kind of brush over what it, the, the, the real power in the statement. No one can or is willing to say Jesus is Lord except through the Holy Spirit. And when he says, say Jesus is Lord, he doesn't just literally mean say it. He means say it with your life. No one can really live as if Jesus is Lord of their life. No one can say the words and live it out unless the Holy Spirit is in them, period. So his whole point in these three verses is looks don't matter. There are a lot of people that do all the right things or look all the right ways on the outside, but inside Jesus is not Lord, (laughs) There are a lot of televangelists that we've seen over years and years and years that have said all the right things, raised their hands in worship. Ooh, yeah. All of the right theology, or at least it appears all the right theology on the outside, but inside they really are God themselves and Jesus is not Lord. Appearances can be deceiving. And the only way for the truth to be lived out is through the power of the Spirit in us. So what is the warning for us? I think it's twofold. Number one don't be deceived by looks and don't just go through the motions. Number two, the answer to that is then you have to submit to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to be Lord of your life. Are you willing to submit to the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, lead me. If I need to do this, I'll do it. Lead me. If I need to give up this, I'll give it up. Lead me. Holy Spirit, I want you to be Lord, not me. I don't care about the appearances. I don't care about doing the right things and checking off the right boxes. I want you as Lord. I don't want to go through the motions. And in the Corinthian church, there were a lot of people going through the motions. There were a lot of people doing ecstatic things and making a show of their faith when on the inside they were really dying because they didn't have the Holy Spirit leading them. Jesus was not Lord of their life. They were. And all the stuff that they had taken over from their culture, they were just implementing it into their own life and painting it a different color calling it Christianity. Are you more American than you are Christian? Are you more North American than you are Christian? (laughs) That's a question I wrestle with all the time. Does my culture overly define me and do i bring my culture into my faith or do i just let the holy spirit do his thing and say jesus is lord come holy spirit whatever you want to do with me here i am it's a constant battle for me and my guess is it is for you as well if you're anything like me it is it's not just an everyday battle it's almost an every minute battle Looks can be deceiving. One afternoon, I walked into the Southeast YMCA and there was only one other person in the gym. Guess who it was? It's Dr. Romanowski. He said, Todd, do you want to play one-on-one? I said, yeah, that will be awesome because I had like a foot and a half on him. And I thought, you know, he's really good just because he's got other people around him. I can take him one-on-one. No worries. I've got this guy. Five minutes later, I'm over on the side wondering, how in the world did I just get shut out by a guy 30 years older than me? Looks can be deceiving. And it's not about how you appear. Jesus is Lord. May it be really true of all. We hope you found this week's message meaningful and impactful. And as always, don't just hear it, but put it into practice. Until next time, have a good one.